Today, we have Emma Beverly, executive producer of Leeds 2023. One whole year where the city is letting culture loose. And as they said at their launch last month, they're going to create, make, perform, run, bake, eat, share, sing, speak and play. Because culture is everywhere in this great city. Let's hear all about it. So, Em, thank you very much for joining me. It's very nice to have you here. And I'm sorry it's not in person, but um, hello. Hi, me too. I wish it was in person. Well, we'll do that soon. And it'll be nice to walk the streets of Leeds together and better understand what you're doing. So then, to, to better understand as an introduction, tell me a little bit about uh, Leeds City of Culture and, and maybe a little bit about your journey, because, I mean, this has been a number of years in the making, hasn't it? Mm, yeah, so um, for those of you that haven't heard about Leeds 2023, um, we were originally a bid to the European Capital of Culture, um, and that process started in the city in 2015, when the local authority turned around to the rest of the city, to its citizens, to the creative and cultural community and said, we have an opportunity here to, to bid for this competition. We've not had a European capital of culture in the UK since Liverpool. Um, we've all seen the incredible success of what happened in Liverpool in 2008. Uh, what do you think? And the city just had a resounding big yes. And we went on this beautiful journey together for a couple of years that I had the privilege of being part of. Um, I worked with the council team as an independent and with two other producers to pull together the programme that went into what we call a bid book, which is effectively um, a really beautifully designed and packaged um, application. Um, that was all thwarted by Brexit. And if I do remember correctly, it literally was the day before we were due to go and meet the panel and do our presentation all about why Leeds should be a European capital of culture in 2023. Um, and I think that we, we were due to be getting on the train to London and then we found out the competition was no more. We could no longer bid. Um, and, and it was devastating. I think it, it was quite... Um, it had been a, an emotional journey. It had been a really um, helpful journey for the city and um, to kind of put its neck out in this way and say, we think we're really good and that we should have this opportunity. Um, and after a small moment of self-pity, uh, we then got back on to the tr onto the wagon, really, and um, Leeds City Council did this really incredible call out to the rest of the city again and said, what do you think? And the city said, we think we should do it anyway. Um, and that was a couple of years ago now. And there's been a massive journey um, since then. We're now an independent body from the local authority. A trust was set up, which is the delivery mechanism for the year. We have a creative director, um, Colifiare and CEO, who joined in January of last year. Um, and then I joined in January of this year and we're, we're set to deliver an incredible year of experiences in Leeds in 2023. So 365 days. Wow. So tell me about, so tell me about this as a programme of experiences. So, so I know part of it is, uh, was launched last month and there was some, you know, wonderful variety, great excitement there, beautifully told. But I guess also part of this is also a call out, isn't it, for new things that are going to come. And so it's very live, very dynamic. And I guess a little seat of the pants. Is, is that right? Oh, yeah, we're, we're building the plane as we fly it effectively, um, which is a way that I really love to work um, anyway. So that feels exciting and dynamic. 
Um, there's, I guess, in terms of the program itself, there's the, it has a few different considerations. Um, there's the consideration of all of the work that was done by the creative industries when it was a bid to be a European capital of culture, because the application we submitted had some really ambitious and incredible projects in it. And so um, over the last year, um, those projects have been supported through R&D support, um, ongoing dialogue about how they might shift and change as the world has shifted and changed um, in terms of how they might manifest within the year themselves. Um, and then, yes, you're right, we, we, we've started doing some artwork um, and cultural activities within our different communities across Leeds, um, and we celebrated a new brand identity uh, last month, um, which is all about how we're going to be letting culture loose. Um, and now we're doing a big call out to the city again, and nationally and internationally, to say, come and help us make this magical and enormous thing happen, because we can't do it on our own. And I guess, and that's the hard bit about it, isn't it? That it's like, and I guess that maybe was addressed in your bid book, that the, you know, on one hand, there's a unifying voice that is... And there's a certain clarity in that. And I've been involved in a few city of cultures over the years. And, and often they seem to get very lost in the excitement of that initial brand and a unifying voice. <laughs> and then forget that it's also really a thing about the many, many voices of many, many people. And then that gets shoehorned in later. And I remember you telling me about a, a project which was about a woman covered in rice pudding. And so tell me about how you can have both. That you can have a unifying voice and women covered in rice pudding. What an interesting um, project to remember me talking about. I guess it is quite a striking visual. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Um, often these kind of um, campaigns, because that's, that's often what they are, um, can be about striving to create one voice or one image or one identity that communicates an entire city. Um, sometimes that can be done really well and uh, sometimes it isn't done very well. And I think when you're dealing with a city as diverse as Leeds, um, we speak 170 languages, there's over 800,000 people that live here. There's 33 wards that effectively are like their own versions of the city. They have their own identities and cultures and histories and memories. Um, I don't know how helpful it is in a context like the one that we're in, to have one voice. Um, I don't see what the fun is in that necessarily. I think where some of the excitement can be really captured is actually in the fact that what do you do when you've got over 170 different voices, literally? Um, and how do you communicate to them, with them, on their behalf? Uh, to people outside of the city who might not know everything that Leeds has to offer. These are really big challenges, but also um, ones that you can really sink your teeth into. And what if the identity or the, the messaging or the voice that you heard from Leeds throughout the year was different every single day? And that's why I really love um, our new mantra, which is about letting culture loose, because it's effectively saying to the city, um, how do you do that? How do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis as one person? How do you let culture loose with your family? How do you let culture loose with your rugby team? Uh, what is it about letting culture loose and what would that look like um, really specifically uh, on your high street in Garforth or when you go to Leeds Market, what does it look like there? Because it will be very, very different depending on who you are, where you live and what your relationship with the city is. But there shouldn't be a, a hierarchy 
to that. Um, and there should be an opportunity for everyone to really demonstrate what their version of letting culture loose looks like. Yeah. So I suppose so that makes perfect sense. And I think I love your body language, which obviously isn't going to come across in this audio recording, that when you, whenever you say letting culture loose, it's both an explosion of hands outwards, but it's very much also then with a, with a then a fanning the fire of from bottom to up too. So that's what it is. So it's, it's, it's everywhere, but it's also very much from bottom to up. And I guess that's the critical thing about the nature of culture, isn't it? That too often culture is a thing of a, with a large C. And so the opportunity of a, a more individual, more grassroots, and also someone coming to that word who wouldn't have necessarily thought they were involved in the culture or creative industries is, is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? And I wonder how you, you better um, uh, attract, better uh, draw in, better give permission, or better just fan the flames of that. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess it, it depends on what your definition of culture is. So a really um, helpful thing happened when we could no longer be a European capital of culture, because the frame that that competition sets around what culture is is very specific. And so actually, now that we're not within a framework and now that we're just doing Leeds 2023, um, we can decide for ourselves what culture is as a city and how we express it. And I'd argue that people express their own cultural identity every single day. Um, and sometimes that can look like, I don't know, going to see a performance or going to a gallery or going to a football match or watching a film and sometimes that can also look like participating in your local gala that happens every summer in the park or learning about a different part of the city's history that that maybe you weren't aware of even though you've lived here your whole life or telling stories about your own identity um your own kind of family history your own relationship with the city or the food that you eat or the faith that you have, or the language that you speak. And that's a really um, luscious territory to build a programme from. Um, I think the thing for me about, when you're thinking about a city, often people think about place or they think about people. And actually, culture's the thing that ties those two things together. And I think that that's why it's so important to really recognise that culture is what you make of it and what you determine of it and you have an active role to play in making it happen that's sometimes why it can be forgotten or people think it's not for them because they have a really linear image of what culture actually is yeah i get that totally i think that that glue that bonding agent between people and place which is these activities is these stories you know that that sort of fundamental to it that's why we fall in love with a city and and you know and and I suppose, it, yeah, it is that very life force. And I mean, we've really noticed it, you know, in the pandemic world that we realise that our cities, when they don't have that lifeblood to them, where they don't, you know, it's just a collection of buildings and a bunch of lost souls. And I wonder to what extent the pandemic, which, you know, we've seen some organisations and particularly you know, individuals, whether I think about it at a domestic level, you know, pictures on windows saying, you know, I am here, this is my image, this is my story, or shops, you know, who can't trade inside, coming up to the pavement like never before, parking bays closed down, and we're seeing, you know, little markets and stalls happening like maybe we would have seen a few generations ago. I'm wondering to what extent the pandemic is helping people better understand that that's 
yeah, I suppose that sort of public theatre is theirs more than ever before? Or am I over-romanticising that, do you think? Um, I think there's always a romanticism with culture, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think if ever you were in need of that, it's when you're thinking about what makes the place that you live important or your role within the place that you live. I suppose what the pandemic has done is it's really, um, and forgive me for getting a bit political with a big P, it's really demonstrated actually the gaps in terms of um, the way that localised economies work or the way that capitalism has impacted your local high street or your community. Um, and, and I think that the resurgence of independent retailers, people taking over the streets in a much more visible way, people feeling like they've got more ownership of the place where in which they live in a very, very localised way is only a good thing. Um, I hope it sticks and I hope that we can learn some some lessons from that. But I think that... The one thing that has been a bit of a reckoning for a lot of people, I don't think everybody, because I don't think you can generalise in that way, um, has been how important different ways of communicating with one another are, expressing yourself are, um, learning about each other's experiences too. And if anything, the pandemic did put a bit more space and time around how you experience where you live. Um, and I hope that when we think about Leeds 2023 and some of the opportunities that exist within that, um, I hope we're able to really act as a bit of a catalyst for communities who want to try out new things where they are and do much more community-led work, um, really building on, I suppose, an element of, kind of community-based uh, activism that's been lost um, in some parts of the city and the country over the last few years. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a real catalyst for, for those particular stories. And I think when I think about the, you know, what's happened on the high street, particularly, you know, with the whole middle being squeezed out and all of a sudden that generic cookie cutter, super corporate, it's the same on every high street thing dying out. And then we're seeing much more at one end, things that are much more rare, finding their place and things that are very familiar and needed and necessary and local amenities at this end and I think that's that's incredibly exciting at every level I'm also seeing it in terms of the you know the bigger businesses too so you know a conversation with Mark Bourgeois who uh, is MD of uh, Hammerson you know has a big you know runs runs you know two of your biggest shopping malls in Leeds talking about the importance of not so much anchor tenants but anchor experiences and how there's going to be a much more variegation in his view between yeah there will be some big box characters spending you know a lot of money but then we're also going to need to support those smaller businesses and those you know enterprise businesses and people who are just straight out of college and giving them a place here about the i suppose we, you touched on it in terms of the need for a unifying voice because one has to win it and do something ever so clear and, and it needs, and that's like a bid. And then there's the thing about, you know, all of the many voices that we want to encourage. And I think, you know, clearly there's an elastic framework there. And I know one bit, big bit of it for you is your seasons. And so I'd be very keen to know a bit about that because I find it fascinating the way you're thinking about the change across your year and how it will grow and evolve. And there's a real clear narrative arc there. Anyway, well, tell me about that. Yeah, um, so often um, people might refer to a programme like ours as a festival. 
And um, I understand why that happens, because festivals are these kind of magical things that pop up and make really exciting things happen, and then they leave. And we are very much a time-bound programme. We're in 2023, and then we're not here anymore. And I think what I find more helpful as, as a framework for the year to think about is that we are a test bed or a catalyst, or we're a particular space in a particular time where new things can happen, experimentation can take the forefront, it isn't business as usual. And the reason why that is a useful framework is because it enables us to think about legacy. Because actually the legacy of a programme like this one is felt within the people who live here, who've had experiences across a year, the organisations and partnerships that have grown, and the ways in which the city might feel differently from 2024 onwards. Now, if we're going to facilitate a programme of change across a year, um, then we need to think about the story or, as you said, the narrative arc that facilitates that. Um, so rather than thinking about um, it's a festival, um, think of it as a three-act play or a narrative uh, it has a beginning and a middle and an end. And I'm not going to reveal too much about the story behind it, only because um, we're still growing it at the moment and nurturing it. And we don't want to show all of our hands yet. We need some surprises by the time we get to the year. Um, but the main premise of that is that you will go on a journey with us and the city will go on a journey. When it starts, it will, it will feel as if um, we know where we are, we know who we are, we're able to tell the story that we know about ourselves. Maybe during the course of the year, things get a bit more imaginative. We can think about the future, we can think about intergenerational learning and what's being passed down and between different generations. And then maybe at the end of the year, we're really thinking about, okay, what's next? What's the change that we're experiencing? Um, how do we pass on the baton from this moment to the next moment when Leeds 2023 won't exist anymore? Um, and that's how we'll start to really think about what that, what that programme is actually doing. So as well as being really wonderful and memorable moments and exciting and fun and provocative. Um, what's the point behind all of those experiences and how do we really deeply root those experiences within a programme of change? Um, and we're really fortunate in Leeds that we've got such a thriving local authority when it comes to its cultural department. It's not that's quite rare, to be honest with you, that a city has made such a strong commitment to culture. And so that passing on the baton from, in a very direct way from Leeds 2023 is actually to lead City Council's cultural strategy. Um, and the ownership of that then continues in the city. Um, for other programmes, you know, like in Hull, they continued uh, with a specific organisation, uh, absolutely cultured, um, that was a permanent legacy solution. We're quite a different city from, from Hull, you know. We, we, we've got, like, an incredible amount of infrastructure and people and expertise here. And, and so that legacy and that journey in terms of passing on the baton needs to be really held within them and with the people. Um, and that's why co-creation is such a massive part of the approach that we're taking.
Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? So the co-creation being, yeah, the, the, the inspiring an approach rather than obsessing on some big artefacts at the end, because I think that's what one often sees with uh, capital culture projects, that there is people are, are uh, extraordinarily excited about some gigantic artefact in a kind of build it and they will come type way. Whereas yeah. I think what you're talking about is involve me and I'll come again and again and again. You know, it's it's much more that spirit. It, I mean, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But it, is that 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 strikes me as the sort of more the approach? Yeah. yeah, that that is that is what I'm talking about. I guess you know, the, as a catalyst, as a moment in time, one of those things that it might be tested out or that might rise from or grow or develop as a result of the year um, might be a new artifact. Mm. Um, However, the main thing for us or what our priority at least to 2023 needs to be is what is the process by which that artifact has been generated? Who feels a sense of ownership or purpose within that artifact? And how is it deeply grounded within the people that it's there to serve? Because you can have a very object-based um, relationship with culture if, 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 if that's what you're particularly into um, but I think that looking at you know all of the work that's needing to happen at the moment around things like audience development who goes to look at and experience different artifacts you know who are the communities that don't feel included within the spaces or the cultural experiences that that we have regularly available with us in the city um, we're quite interested in testing out lots of different ways by which those artifacts are generated in collaboration, both with communities, artists, creative people, um, and also that they might be in spaces that you don't expect. Um, we've got a really thriving city centre, um, but we've also got 33 really incredible wards across the city. So what are the ways, how do you deal with a, with a landscape like that? Um, and how do you think about equity within that context too, about how things happen in different places and who gets to be really on the doorstep of those experiences? Yeah, and I love that. I love that. I mean, the body language there that just, again, for the audio here, that the, <laughs> I like the way that you're, you're sprinkling the magic dust in many, many different places here. And I think I, I, I was in Glasgow uh, not long after it was uh, capital of culture. And I think, you know, a lot of people talked about the found places, that there were bits of the city that they'd never been before, they didn't know yeah. about. And all of a sudden, that the idea of city centre was a much more spread out thought. And actually, the, the sort of, yeah, the, 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 these routes, it became a story of, of journeys of destinations rather than a singular sort of central thought. And it strikes me that that's very much what you're going for here. And I, I mean, you and I have talked about this a bit before too, that there is, you know, it's remarkable in the city, particularly given the, na the way the station is a massive wall across it, that there are, there are question marks around how well this is connected. And I guess culture as a series of cultural paths is going to help you no end, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, so before... I've lived and worked in Leeds. By the time I get to 2023, it'll have been 10 years. And um, I've also been able to work outside of the city and the region a lot, done a lot of national and international touring. And I think when you're a visitor, um, which is also another big part of 
what a year of culture offers you know it, it increases it increases tourism it, it invites people to the city who might not usually have chosen Leeds as a place to visit before and um, when you're a visitor it's so difficult to cut into the underbelly of a city it's really tough to arrive somewhere and go how do I get to the the root or the heart or the side of this place that isn't readily visible or available to me. And I think that those routes and that connectivity isn't only just for the different communities who and people who live here, um, but is also for the people who are visiting and the people who might want to see a different side. Um, and I think that the way that culture can play a big part in that as well is really exciting. Tell me about that, because I think that's that's a bit like I've, a lot of people I've spoken of to in, in our projects in Leeds, of, of, you know, often the phrase, you know, it, it's a well-kept secret is, uh, is something that comes out. And I, I'm interested in, in that in terms of where, I suppose, w- yeah, w- where Leeds 2023 stands on that. Because obviously, again, with your body language, there's a thing about amplification here too, isn't there? And there's a thing about Leeds' stature as a, well, uh, not, not just on a national, but as a, on an international stage. T- tell me a bit about what you think about that. Yeah, it's funny. There's um, a, an old colleague of mine who um, used to often say, Leeds likes to hide its light under the bushel, and then it likes to hide the bushel. And that really makes me laugh. I think it's quite endearing. Um, I don't know how much I agree with that, because I think that There are an inordinate amount of people who have a relationship with Leeds, who I speak to, who are outside of the city. And whether that's that's because perhaps they went to university here, perhaps they um, did some of their first shows here, or they have family here, or all those things. So I think the, the relationships and connections that people have to the city exist. I just think that they're quite intimate. Um, And I like the idea of intimacy in the context of tourism um, because it is about amplification and it it is about really celebrating um, what we do here that's already an incredible experience. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. There's still fantastic. There's so much fantastic work that already happens that we can promote through the course of doing this year of culture um, and maybe get some different types of audiences to experience it, too. Um, but I do think that in terms of our international connections, there's a really exciting opportunity there, particularly in the context that we are an inherently international city. And so there are relationships and connections worldwide that not only exist through the really strong businesses that we have within Leeds, but also on a really personal Uh, basis around the fact that we speak so many languages, family connections, roots into the city. Um, That's just great territory to start to build some programming from um, and to start to seek what some of those international relationships might be. Mm, Yeah, I like like the sound of that. And that idea of sort of exploring together, I think is... uh... Yeah, it sounds like a sort of delightful thought because so much of the way you talk about this, I think is, you know, it is, it is, it is a conversation. It is, you know, there's going to be this kind of constant dialogue as it gets better and better. And I suppose that maybe connects with your, your point about a catalyst 
towards legacy. And so that tricky word and always the most problematic of every question. And in many ways, you've <laughs> yeah. asked it, it, you've answered it in many different ways. But I am interested in, you know, if we look sort of 10 years from now in terms of the legacy of 2023, what, what, what do you want people to be saying about it and this particular time? Um, on a really personal note, what I'd love to say, um, I'd love to see some better connectivity between all of the different expertise and specialisms that we've got in Leeds. I'd love it if there was a lot more um, ambitious kind of cultural and creative work that was happening that connected different sectors like like science and engineering and creative technology and artists and all of the things that we're really good at within the city, but perhaps they don't speak to get the opportunity to speak to each other very often. I'd really love to see an ongoing legacy through those partnerships that we might be able to build. Um, I'd love for people to have memories um, and sometimes those memories might be based on a really spectacular experience that they had in Roundhay Park, where there was fireworks and there was this and that and the crowds and all of those things. And sometimes it might be because, you know, they walked down their street one day and something was happening on their street corner that just totally took them by surprise. Or maybe they participated in a project over the course of 18 months where they got to learn all about one of the, uh, their kind of neighbouring communities. Um, maybe some of it was about how it helped people see the place that they live differently uh, or in a way that they hadn't before. And I suppose on a, again, on quite a personal note, um, I'd just love to see more people who come to live and study here staying. I think that is happening more. Um, but I do also think that there is an element of Leeds is really good at skilling people up. And I think this happens across West Yorkshire, actually. Really good at skilling people up and getting people ready. And then they'll go off and do incredible work in other places. And so I'd really love for there to be more space within the city for that kind of ambitious work to continue. Um, yeah, very. I, that, well, that I, I, what a brilliant answer, and I think the thought of, of uh, connections and memories and how delight might lead to participation, and I suppose a lot of what you're talking about is you know, learning and working together, and I think that sort of virtuous circle then begins to yeah suggest that this is a place you know for keeps rather than just for those three years. I, I, fi I find that fascinating. A lot of what we talk we talk about there, and I suppose the 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 all these points about narrative and about those delightful moments of you know sort of a, a, seeing a woman covered in rice pudding over here, drawing me into something I'm going to get involved in, playing my part, not just collaborating but deeply participating. You know, this is how you build memories. But I'm interested in then how how are you going to find those uh, those groups that are going to help with participation because that's you know often an incredibly hard thing to do I find and then also I suppose this also relates to what you were saying about connections that people are often very much within their own sector whereas often great participation comes from wearing each other's hats or as uh, the wonderful wonderful Brian Eno said when asked about when he was talking about a particular album that him and David Bowie which I think might have been Diamond Dogs um, had, had just made and he said well, how come you're so creative and he said it's because we play each other's instruments and I'm wondering about how you are going to inspire that because that's a lot of cats to uh, shepherd is it not 
It is, but I think we've already got some really great groundwork to build from because as cities go, one thing that I will say for Leeds um, is there's an incredible legacy and history already in terms of what I'd probably call like socially engaged work. So organisations and groups of people and communities coming together to make great stuff happen where they live. And I think that we've got wonderful organisations in the city who've really demonstrated how expert, how expert, how, oh, sorry about that. This is the problem with teams. I'm going to start that bit again. <laughs> um, we've already got some really wonderful organisations in the city who've got a lot of expertise and skill sets and have been getting communities ready for Leeds 2023 for a really long time. You know, I'm going to, I'll cite one example of that. Um, I had a great conversation uh, a few weeks ago with someone from Leeds West Indian Centre who said to me, come to Chapel Town, we are ready. We've been ready for this for a really long time. And actually, I don't think there is a better example of community co-creation and ambition and excellence than the Leeds West Indian Carnival, which is the oldest carnival of its kind in Europe. And it has an enormous impact on the city. It is deeply rooted within the history of that neighbourhood. Um, it is a massive part of the cultural calendar and it's completely led by communities. So I think that as co-creation goes and as community-based practice goes, the city's already proving very regularly all the time that it's very, very good at this. And so it's not like we're starting from scratch. Um, in fact, we're really benefiting from a lot of work that has happened way before this competition started in 2015. And that's why we're actually incredibly well placed to make this year happen and to build on and grow from that. Now, not all, not all neighbourhoods and not all communities have something like the carnival and not all neighbourhoods and communities are going to be at the same place that maybe Chapel Town is or, or Holbeck is because of all the work that Slung Low have been doing there for such a long time. Um, but that also just means that at 2023, we've got to be really adaptable and understanding of where different communities and neighbourhoods and that. Now, that's all, again, been massively impacted by COVID. And actually, I think if we'd established, you know, back in 2017, a way of doing this, that we were going to continue all the way up until the year, we would have had to shift gears and change and adapt anyway as a result of the pandemic. So... We're still building all of that at the moment. We're still looking at all of the different ways in which those 33 wards operate currently and what the cultural infrastructure already is there. Um, it's not about us coming in and saying, this is a model for co-creation. This is how we're going to do things here from now on. It's really about us listening and responding to what's already happened in these different places. And so um, I'm not worried, actually, about are we going to have enough people to do this work with the thing i think about is how do we do this in a way that's really meaningful with a target of 75 percent of the population here and every school child in the city how do we make sure that each individual person has a transformational experience um because i think we're going to be pretty overwhelmed actually with people wanting to get involved and that's the other um great opportunity but also challenge that we've got 
uh, that, that we're going to have to deal with and think through really carefully. But I'm also excited about that as a challenge because I think we're not doing it on our own. We've got a real thriving cultural sector in the city, um, each of whom have their own ways of doing things that are tried and tested, each of whom are really up for trying out new ways of doing things too. And that's a great groundwork to build from. Yeah, I love that. I think when it is that the, the, the optimism of that, the kind of the positivity, the fact that it's all, all already there. And, and, and it plays beautifully to, to the language that you used at the very beginning around letting culture loose. It's there already. You know, we give, yeah. helping to establish go, a bit of framework here, a bit of ignition points here, a bit of connecting here, but it's already there. Let's just get it out, which I love. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Em, it's lovely, lovely speaking to you. And I, I, I honestly, I, I, I genuinely mean this. I think that, that there are you know, towns and cities up and down the country who are, are thinking about how they will better compete better tell their story better get out there and i think you know what you're doing in terms of you know describing that voice but also letting you know being a platform for many diverse groups and ensuring that it is uniquely leads whilst also being something that can grow and evolve over time with participation and memory making and transformation at its very center is is Deeply, deeply inspiring. And I, I, I wish you well for, well, the next kind of crazy two years ahead and can't wait to join yeah. you in January 2023 for the, uh, you know, the beginning. Yeah, everyone should come to Leeds. It's going to be blinding. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Em. We look forward to seeing you then. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Free Thinking Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Emma. Now, next up, we have Bill Grimsey, retailer with 45 years experience from butcher's boy to CEO of Wix and Iceland. In 2012, he wrote Sold Out, Who Really Killed the High Street? And since then, through his highly influential Grimsey reviews, he has been leading the debate on the future of the high street. He talks about localism on steroids, practical steps to creating magnetic high streets, and his new review, Against All Odds, on the importance of nurturing independent businesses. Do subscribe so you know when the next episodes are, and do leave us a comment so we can get better and better. Thank you, and see you soon.